was not an encouraging verse, was it? But it's a warning of what we will come to or are already in. And as we talk this year about walking worthy of our calling, uh, that's our theme this year, and we find our marching orders in Ephesians 4.1, where Paul said, now that you're Christians, now that Christ has done all of these things that he had talked about in the first three chapters for you, he says, you ought to walk worthy of that calling. You're, you're a different people. You're a special people. You're a holy nation, other places say, walk Worthy, and that's what we've been trying to understand all year. Uh, we've looked at a number of different series. Uh, this series that we've tackled this summer is called Laying Aside, and it's a little bit uh, different or on a different level, shall we say, of some of the first things we looked at. Uh, we started out looking at a family and the church and uh, all the places that we are have a different uh, uh, area of influence. And how we ought to walk worthy in those things. Now in this series, what we're looking for is the last ounce of improvement. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 is the verse that's our key this summer. And Paul, uh, or the writer of Hebrews, said to strip off every weight that slows us down. A little different translation here than we've been using. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let's run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So we've got this walk that we're on, this race. We're supposed to walk worthy on it. And the writer of Hebrews says, at some point you start, you're walking worthy, you're doing fine, but let's look for that last ounce that we can take off. Let's look for any little sin that might entangle us and slow us down. Let's do the best we can, be the best we can, be the best influence for Christ that we can. And we've looked at a number of areas that apply to this verse. Today we're going to look at entertainment. Entertainment. Uh, I didn't say this would be entertaining. Uh, I said it's about entertainment. Um, I'm not here to entertain you. I do hope to keep most of you awake, uh, but we're not about entertainment right now. Our topic is that. Uh, a definition of entertainment I put on your handout for you, one of the dictionaries, says entertainment is amusement or pleasure that comes from watching a performer or playing a game, etc. Now, the etc. is really big. <laughs> Uh, they just listed a couple of things there that are entertainment. But these days we've got so many ways and means and varieties and kinds of entertainment that is unbelievable. I thought about trying to make a list of them that I thought, well, I'd, I'd never get done. It would just go on and on and on and on. So uh, just think of any way that you think of that is entertaining. It's pretty much anything that's outside of work or school, or worship, in one way of thinking. Uh, now, those things can be pleasant. Uh, that doesn't mean they have to be a, a burden or a drudge or anything. In fact, they shouldn't be. But the difference is their purpose is not to amuse you. Okay? The, the purpose of work is to get some work done. 
Give, give the, the, the company that you work for, or if you're self-employed, uh, earn your keep. Okay. The purpose of school is to learn things. You can do that in an entertaining way sometimes, but that's not the purpose of it. The purpose of worship is not to entertain you. I know we get a little confused about that these days, but it's not. It's to, you bring glory to God. Now, And all of those can be pleasant, but their purpose is not to amuse you. So uh, think of amusement, entertainment that way, where you do something that's just too... Have fun, just to enjoy. Now, I realize that some Christians uh, sound like that there's a verse in the Bible that says, Thou shalt not have fun, nor shalt thou smile in all thy days. Uh, Some folks act like that. That's not in there. In fact, God approves of entertainment. God God told us we ought to rest 14% of the time. Teenagers are getting their calculators out right now. How much is this? Uh, One day out of seven, we're supposed to rest. We're not supposed to work. Doesn't mean we're supposed to have fun all that day, but we're not supposed to be working. We're supposed to be focused on other things. Uh, Entertainment's okay. But what we're talking about today is what kind of entertainment? What's okay and what's not? Of course, that's changed over the years. We're influenced by culture somehow, and different cultures uh, have different things that might be okay and might not. Uh, In my grandfather's house, when he was a boy, I was told that his father uh, didn't allow a lot of things because they were worldly. Uh, He didn't allow dice, any game with dice. He didn't allow... Cards, well, not all cards, spot cards. If they had spots on them, like poker cards, uh, you couldn't have those in the house. An old maid or twiddlywinks or something like that was all right. But those other things were associated with the world. They were associated with uh, vices. Well, you didn't have those in the house. I got to thinking about that, and I Googled on 1890 uh, entertainment. He was born in the 1890s, and I thought, I wonder what games were in those days. That's kind of interesting. The first first board game, and the reason I looked at that, it said board games became very popular in the 1890s. People had a little more leisure time, and board games got popular. And they said the first one that was made was called Mansions of Happiness. Uh, And there was a circle path around, and there were 66 spaces on this path. Starting to see a pattern here. 66 spaces, and there were vices or virtues on these squares. And the goal was to make your way around this board and get to the Mansion of Happiness. And taught children that if you did good deeds, you'd get to heaven. Uh, that was the first popular board game in America. It'd go over real well today, wouldn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, it does sound better to me than Mortal Kombat or something like that, but times have changed, I guess. Uh, by the way, I had to look that up to see what was the most popular video game. I, I had no idea, but that's the most popular one in 2015. Um uh, 
as I was thinking about my grandfather being raised, because on Sundays he couldn't go outside and play either. On Sundays you had to stay in and sit on the couch in the parlor with the adults. Okay? The way he told it. Now, and, and as I thought of that, I thought, man, even our houses have changed because of our love of entertainment. Back then, they had a living room it's where the family lived. You know, they were together and they did things in the living room. To tell you what do we have? We got a family room, we got a rec room, we got a game room, we got a home theater. You got to have all those things because we're overwhelmed by entertainment. We love entertainment. So, a lot of it around. What's right? What's okay? What's good for Christians? I wanted to figure out what you thought, so I went to one adult class. I asked them to make a list of things that we could do for entertainment that are clearly acceptable for Christians. And here's the list. Uh, We can read books. We can go to movies. We can watch TV. We can play games. We can get involved in sports. We can have hobbies. Yeah, I thought, and they'd had some other things, but I thought that was all I could fit on the screen. Now, I went to a different class and asked the other side of the question. I said, name some things that are clearly unacceptable for Christians to do in the way of entertainment. Here's their list. Books, (laughs) movies, TV, games, sports, and hobbies. Now, I hope you understand, number one, that I made that up. But number two, if I did have two lists like that, they're both exactly right. That's what I want you to understand. If you start out to make a list of this entertainment mode is is good and this one's bad, you'll have the same thing on both lists. Now, I'll admit there are a few things in this world that are clearly unacceptable, clearly uh, bad, clearly inherently wrong for Christians to do, but not many. Uh, 99% of the stuff we call entertainment and that amuses us and entertains us uh, can be good or bad, depending on a lot of things. It can be right or wrong. It can be holy or unholy. And that's exactly what we've been doing this summer, everything we've looked at. You, You can't make a list. It depends on so many other things. Uh, You make me a, a, well, the list I've got here, anything on that list, I can go through it and say, well, yeah, it's okay, but what if you spent 80 hours a week doing it? Well, that's a waste of time. You know, you're not being a good steward of time. What if you spent thousands of dollars a week on it and bankrupt your family? Well, that's a bad steward of finances. And on and on and on. Everything depends on how it's used and when it's used. And uh, everything on here can either help or hinder us. It can either slow us down or urge us on in our Christian walk. It can cause us to walk more or less worthy of our calling. So that's what we want to work on this morning. What kinds of entertainment and how uh, should I look at it? Let's use our same formula we've been using every time I've been up here. Step number one, let's think about this by reading the Bible. But let's read the Bible 
like we were pursuing holiness. And the first time we used this method, I pointed out that uh, we can read the Bible kind of casually, kind of quickly, kind of get the main message of it and the drift of it, kind of the Sunday school look at it. Or we can sit down and, and look at a verse and really think, all right, what's this verse tell me about laying aside, about living a holy life? Let's start in 2 Timothy 3, where uh, we had that read to us. It's a long passage, and there's lots of things in it. I highlighted the, the big parts of it that we want to look at today. Paul told Timothy, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be, and then he lists this discouraging list, of horrible things, it seems, that people will become. Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant. And we've talked about a lot of those things this summer. And he makes this long list, and then toward the end, he throws one in there that I bet we pass over a lot. Of course, by that time in the verse, we're kind of tired. We're kind of wore out. If, if people are really going to get this bad, it's going to be tough. Well, we also can go back and look at We're there in a lot of ways. But right toward the end, he says, people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They will prefer entertainment over pleasing God. They will prefer to be amused rather than pleasing God. Look at this warning. He says they will have an appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. And if I may be so rude as to suggest, we have an appearance of godliness this morning. We all really look good. And we're in the right place, all together, and we've been praising God, and everything we've done is fine. But if we deny that power the rest of the week, pay no attention to him the rest of the week, instead we amuse and entertain ourselves the rest of the week, I'm not sure we don't fit this verse. This verse says we love or people will love entertainment, amusement. Is that the spirit of this age or what? Aren't we there? Don't we love entertainment? Doesn't doesn't the world love entertainment? People spend half their day searching, looking, Googling for amusement. And they spend the other half sharing what they found, which is probably a video of a cat, sharing it with everybody else. And then they spend the rest of the time answering each other back and forth about how they like that. Do we love entertainment or what? I think about this sometimes. I am so thankful that I got out of the business world and management before this age that we're in came, where everybody's connected, where you can get anything you want anytime immediately. I would not have done well at that. 
I mean, used to when you went to work back in my day, <laughs> since I'm an old timer, when you went to work, you could either work or you could waste time. You could waste time by daydreaming or you could waste time by talking to somebody else, keeping them from doing their job too. That was about it. Now, if you're at a desk with one click, or if you're not at a desk, you can reach in your pocket and pull out your own device, and within one second, you can be watching a movie, you can be playing a game, you can be looking, you can fritter the day away with a million things. We love entertainment. It's, it's so easy to come by, by any body of any kind of entertainment at any time. This is a dangerous world. Young people, old people can find anything, anytime, anywhere. Good or bad. And I understand that. I mean, I think I'm I work in a church office, folks. You know, not the most entertaining place in the world. I'm not saying we don't have fun, but I work in a pretty protected environment. But I'm sitting there working hard on a sermon, and I decide I want to see what some word means, or I want to look something up real quick on the Internet. And to do that, I've got to go through this maze of the latest video, the hottest video, the latest news, the latest politics, the latest crisis in Hollywood. I've got to sort through all that. And every once in a while, something will catch my eye. And it'll say to me, why don't you come over here and waste 15 minutes? Why don't you come over here and waste an hour before you know you've wasted an hour? Be entertained for a little while. That sermon will be all right. That's what the world does to me. It does it to everybody else. So that's what that verse says. We're going to be lovers of pleasure. We need to be aware of that and take it seriously. 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Corinthians 10. I put two verses together because Paul kind of says the same thing here to the Corinthians. He says, all things are lawful for me. Actually, he didn't say, all things are lawful for me. He said, all things are lawful for me. He's quoting one of their favorite slogans in Corinth. He was discussing, is this right or wrong? Is this good or bad? Does this help or hinder? And the Corinthians had written him, and some of them said, we shouldn't do that. He was talking specifically about eating and things, eating and drinking. Some of them said, we shouldn't do that. That's wrong. And some of them countered with their little slogan, well, all things are lawful for me. I can do that. I'm forgiven in Christ. It's lawful for me. Is that the rallying cry of today or what? It's lawful for me. All things are lawful. Okay, so Paul quotes that, and I know he said it very sarcastically. He says, yeah, all things are lawful, but. And then he gives them three reasons that they ought to think about. He says, all things are lawful for me, sure. But not all things are helpful. It might be lawful, but it may not be helpful. It may not be the best thing to do. All things are lawful for me, 
But I will not be dominated by anything. Paul says, I won't let anything master me. All things are lawful for me. But not all things build up. Not all things help people. And his point is, if you go back to this thing, he says, it's all right to do that. Yeah, it's okay to do that. But is it helpful? Does it master you? Does it build people up? Now, if we read this like we're pursuing holiness, we won't just blow past it and say, well, he was talking about eating meat and stuff in Corinth and all that. We'll apply it. Is it lawful? Is it okay for a Christian to spend three hours watching YouTube? It's okay, but is that helpful? Is that helping anything? Is it okay for a Christian to be very serious about his hobby or her hobby, to go golfing or fishing or hunting or or quilting or antiquing or garage sailing? Is, Is all that all right? Yeah, it's all right, but what if your spouse or your kids... Say, you're doing too much of that. I'm missing you around here. The kids need you around here. We miss you, Mommy or Daddy. We wish we had more time with you. Is it all right to do those things? It's okay. It's legal. But are you mastered by it? It's legal, but not all things build up. Do you like to read? You can read anything you want. It's legal. You can read. You can start at the bottom with National Enquirer and People if you want to. I don't know why any Christian would want to, but you can. And you can go all the way up to the good stuff like Sports Illustrated and Sports Field. <laughs> yeah. And you can read as much as you want. You can subscribe to all of them, have a stack of them on your coffee table. Is it building anything up? That's what Paul says to think about. If you're pursuing holiness, you think about this. Is this building anything up? Or am I just wasting time and money and things I could be doing elsewhere? Okay. Then I gave you verse 31 of chapter 10 also. Paul finishes his little talk about whether it's right to eat or drink. or all. He says, whether you eat or drink, whichever side you come down on, Or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. He said, make that your decision point. Not everything's helpful. Some things will master you. Not everything will build things up. But whatever you do, make sure you do it to the glory of God. Okay? You want a test for entertainment? I said we couldn't make lists. I said, we couldn't make a list. You can make a list. You can make a list for yourself. That, no, this isn't good. This is all right. I can do this. I can't do that. You want a good test for entertainment? Whether you're going to the right movie or going to the right place or doing the right thing? Try this. Before the previews come on at the Warren, while everybody's quiet, uh, before you or your friends take off in the car for a night of fun, Before you download that new music or that new app or whatever is going to entertain you, 
Just, just take a minute. If you're in the war and stand up if you want to. And just say loudly. Dear Lord, I pray that this will help me walk more worthy and ultimately bring you glory. Amen. You folks might look at you funny. You might want to stay seated. You might want to just kind of whisper it to yourself. Would you think that'd be a good test? Like that would help you pick good entertainment? If you can't say that before that, maybe there's a problem. It's what Paul said. Whatever you do, make sure you do it for the glory of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul said, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How do we read this if we're pursuing holiness? We're not supposed to be conformed to the world. What's the biggest mind changer in the world? I think it's entertainment. Mainly because we do so much of it. But mainly because, and also because of the way it presents itself. If you sit down, I sit down to read a book by an atheist, you know, I'm kind of prepared. I'm kind of thinking, all right, I got to see where he's wrong here. I got to see what he's thinking about. If I go to a movie by an atheist, I'm not quite as attentive. And most movies are these days. So it changes minds. It's a huge conformer. Movies drive language and fashion and what's cool and what's not. Entertainment does all that. Entertainment pushes the world's agenda. And the more of it we take in, the more we're tempted to conform to the world. So if we're really serious about not being conformed to the world, we ought to be serious about what kind of entertainment we have. Philippians chapter 4, last one, famous verse. Paul finishes up Philippians and he says, here's how a Christian ought to think. Here's the kind of things Christians ought to think about. Whatever is true, and I'll leave out all the whatevers, just list them. Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there's anything excellent in it, if there's anything worthy of praise in it, think about these things. That's another test for entertainment. And when you come out of a movie, when you finish a TV series, when you finish a book, can you go down this list and say, boy, that was sure true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. It was excellent. It was worthy of praise. I'm glad I thought about it. Tough test. Those who are serious might consider it. All right. Besides reading the Bible a special way, step number two Let's use our trifocals that we've been using, 1 John 2, 15, 16. Look at the world through these trifocals, and if you remember what they are, uh, he says everything of the world is in three categories, and we'll see them in a minute. And now this is a tricky part. What's of the world? We've got to think about it a little bit. I told you about my grandfather and his, his father who said cards and dice were of the world. Well, because they were used in saloons. It's the only place you found them. You saw people gambling with them. 
And things like that change. Uh, when I was a boy, uh, believe it or not, you young people won't believe it, pool tables were questionable. Any of you old enough to remember that? Okay, pool tables were questionable. Because the only place you played pool was in pool halls. You know, where they smoked and drank and other things. Okay? Well, in fact, there was a saying that if you, if you were good at pool, you start playing pool with somebody and they were good, you could say, ah, oh, you had a misspent youth. You know, you spent too much time in the pool halls because you knew how to play pool. Well, now almost every house has got a pool in it. You know, we got the rec room, I don't know where it goes, rec room or game room? Pool room, you need a new one for that. Okay. Anyhow, when I was a boy, they were questionable. People kind of looked askance at them. And then there's a movie came out called The Hustler. It had Paul Newman in it. And it got very famous. It was big. It was about playing pool. And everybody got interested in playing pool. Now, did I tell you entertainment is a conformer? Did I tell you it changes minds? Overnight, there were family pool centers everywhere. They were building them in strip malls. They'd fill them with pool tables. and Families would go in there for entertainment. Everybody was buying them for their basements. That was the cool thing to have was a pool table. All right? That change was because of entertainment. And it completely conformed people's minds. Now, I'm not saying they were wrong or right. They were, I mean, the game itself, nothing wrong with it. The place it was played, yeah, it was of the world usually. But it all changed. So using our trifocals, we've got to be adapting to the times. But it still stands that we have three things to look for. John said, don't love the world. Don't love anything in the world. For everything in the world, and then he lists them, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's the only three things in the world. It's the only three tricks Satan has. That's what he uses to seduce us. And they don't come from the Father. They come from the world. Okay, so we've been doing every topic like this. We look through our trifocals. And is there anything about this entertainment that I'm considering? Is there anything about it that could be lust of the flesh? Do I want to do this, see this, watch this, read this, participate in this because of the lust of the flesh? Okay. I paid attention the last few days when I had the TV on because I was thinking about this sermon. And I usually don't watch commercials because I tape everything and watch it later. But I left it on for a while and I'd pay attention to the commercials. And almost, I bet 90% of the ones for new series or new shows or new movies or whatever, at the top or the bottom it said, Viewer Discretion advised. Folks, if the world is warning its own that this might not be good for you, what do you think Christians should maybe pay attention? They're lust of the flesh and a lot of stuff. And that's about the only thing they rate as viewer discretion these days. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the eyes. How many TV programs, how many magazines do nothing but promote stuff we talked about when we talked about materialism? 
lust of the eyes. We don't need that stuff. But entertainment pushes us off all the time. How many shows on the TV are about cars or houses or hobbies and just show you over and over all these things you need? There's one called the Wealth Channel. I found that the other night. It's just about being wealthy. Wealthy people probably don't watch it. You know? Whoever picked up the keychain with the Eiffel Tower might, but, you know, the rest of us, if we watch it, all we're doing is lust of the eyes. Man, I'd like to do that. I'd like to have that. Pride of life. Look at, maybe your hobby is a good place to look. Do you, do you have stuff or do you belong to places or whatever? I've got the best. Nobody else in my hobby's got this good of equipment. I belong to the best place to play my hobby. Pride of life gets into a lot of it. I'm not, I can't pick them all for you. I'm telling you, use those three things. See if it helps or hinders. Step number three. Search for hindering weight with our Hebrews 12.1 magnifying glass. Hebrews 12.1, look for every ounce that you can lay aside so it doesn't slow you down. And we've been examining whatever we look at, whatever topic we've talked about, through this glass. So let's look at entertainment. We're looking for, does this help or hinder? That's all we're asking. Does help or hinder in, in these, that area? Ask it about these things. This entertainment that I'm considering, this entertainment that I love, this entertainment that I want to get into, is it good for my mind? Is it good for my morals? Does it help or hinder? We already said entertainment is a huge conformer of the mind. Well, look at what you're watching. Look at what you're reading. Look at what you're participating in. I told you one time that I like to read, and I read all the time. Oh, we've got a couple of books going. And I thought one time seriously about this. I thought, I wonder if what I'm reading is helping or hindering. So I started keeping a list. I wrote down every book I read, and then I'd go back and look at that list and see what it was. Was it a church kind of book? I was reading for a sermon or something. Was it a history book that kind of built me up and helped me? Or was it just a fun book? Didn't hurt me, didn't help me, but wasn't building anything up. Look at that list and you start to find out, I'm not really helping here. I better change my balance a little bit. Okay, so ask yourself, this entertainment, is it going to help my mind, is it going to help my morals, or is it going to hinder them in any way? Finances. I mean, today the, the guide is, well, I can afford it. It's another way to saying it's legal for me. The question shouldn't be, can you afford it? The question is, is this a good use of your finances? Is this good stewardship? Whatever you're spending on it. Hey, you can test that too. Do, do some computation. Figure up your total cable bill. Figure, add in your total entertainment bill, your personal device, your iPads, your everything you got to entertain yourself. Add that up for a month and compare it to your contribution. There's a handy little test there. How good a steward am I being? 
What could I do with this if I didn't spend it on this entertainment? I was thinking about that before we started here. Uh, Mark and Ben went down to Argentina to see Jonathan. And they asked people to give for Moises and Hennessy who are escaping Venezuela and going to have a baby when they get to Argentina and all that. They asked for people to give money so they could buy things. And I was sitting there thinking about them, and I thought, if this group would sit down and calculate everything we spent for entertainment from Friday night till this morning, one-thirtieth of our cable bill, Plus everything else we did this week to entertain ourselves, this, this weekend to entertain ourselves. If we put a basket up here and, and brought that much, how much do you think that baby would have got? It'd blow your mind. I can't even imagine what it'd be. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong to go to a movie last night, but I'm saying. Does it help or hinder to spend this much money on my entertainment? Next one, time. How much time do we spend on entertainment? I started looking up some of the statistics, and I couldn't believe them. I hate to even quote any of them. They sound so far-fetched. said the average American watches TV 34 hours a week. I, I don't know if it's true or not. That's what the statisticians say, and I don't know how they'd have time to compute it because they're watching TV 34 hours a week. But that's what it says. It says every year a school kid will spend 900 hours in school and 1,200 hours watching TV. I don't know if that's true. I hope it's not true in most of our families. But that's the average, they tell me. Okay? What do we do about that? I mean, that help or hinder? Those numbers hinder, I'll guarantee you. Parents, make some rules. Do something if that's anywhere close. My my oldest son, the rule in his family, uh, they got three kids and they're busy with all sorts of stuff, but the rule is Monday through Thursday, the TV doesn't come on. Yeah. Some people are stricter than that, and it doesn't hurt a bit. Time. Amazing how much time we spend on it. Children, if I ask yourself this question, this entertainment of mine that I like, I enjoy, I love, does it help or hinder my children? Go to a restaurant these days, what do you see? A few years ago when I went to a restaurant, there used to be a restaurant over close to us that had individual TVs in each booth. It used to drive me crazy. A family of four would come in there, sit down, they'd fight first about what channel they wanted it on. But once they got the channel, all four of them would sit there like this. Watch the TV until their food came. Then they'd eat while they watched. I mean, they go out to dinner and they're doing this. Yeah, that's old school. Now all four of them pull out their own TVs, you know, and do whatever they do. Entertainment. I mean, it's, it's oppressive what it does to us. Second Timothy was right. We're lovers of entertainment. We're lovers of pleasure. 
It distracts us from so many things. If it's distracting you from your kids, you better really get tuned in. That's your main job as a parent. Raise your child. Not let cable system raise him. Influence, the last one I got here. Consider that before you pick an entertainment or the volume of entertainment or how much you spend on it or where you go. What's my influence here? That's one thing that Paul said in his chapter back there. But you got to build other people up. It may be legal for me because I like this kind of entertainment. That kind of entertainment may only be in a place where if somebody saw you, your influence isn't so good. I know some of you don't think that way, but there's some places Christians shouldn't go. Is it legal to go there? I guess so if you're 18, but doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean it's good for your Christian influence. All of those things we ought to consider in entertainment. Okay, that's a lot. That's why we can't make a list. But you can make a list. All right, we've got one more lesson in our Laying Aside series. And since next week is Labor Day, Toby's going to work on that one and talk about our work. In our work, how do we walk worthy? So come back next week for the last Laying Aside lesson uh, if you're in town on Labor Day. Lesson is yours today. If you've heard something that uh, makes you want to change your life, uh, you don't have to do that publicly. You can do it right where you sit. You can commit to God that you want to do something different. Uh, If you know it's going to be tough and you want a little help on that, uh, you can come up here and ask us to help you. Our elders will be at the front. They'll pray with you. Uh, 700 people will know what you're working on and be praying for you, and it'll be a big help. So if you need to make any kind of change, if you need to make a change in your status from of the world to a child of God, we'd be happy to help you put him on in baptism today. If you have any need, public need, let's come. Let's stand and say.